There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The biggest games of the football season are coming, and Bat Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, go ahead and try new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combination. Plus, you can combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place all of your bets. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by BetRivers. All righty, folks, welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast. As always, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here. Remember, you can get in touch with me on the tweets at Danny Burke 5, my show Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook on today's Chicago City Cast. Again, sorry, <clears throat> you got to be dealing with my. Uh, little bit of a groggy voice you know the weather's getting bad out here in Chicago I'm taking my dogs on walks when it's freezing out there so uh bear with me which speaking of which didn't mean to do that maybe I did who knows anyways we got bear with me as a segment in this episode and not only that But we'll talk about where's the beef. Now, you may think, well, Danny, where's your beef going to be? The Bears got the job done, and they did it in an impressively dominating fashion. And you aren't wrong. There's nothing in terms of the specific Bears team right now that I would have beef with, okay? It has nothing to do with the game, coming up game, or anything like that. It has to revolve around the coaching search, and all these rumors swindling around one Jim Harbaugh and a little bit of Ryan Day. So uh, best believe we will be getting into that momentarily. We'll go updated lines, some bets I like for the game, and we'll talk in the in the second part of this episode. Now, I'll probably talk about this on my show Rush Hour as well, but I'm not sure if I'll be able, because of time restraints with the segments, to give it its due diligence. Now, what I'm talking about is some of these future awards in the NFL. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the Bears per se, but some with the NFC, some with specific players. And I know there's people out there that may have followed some plays I made in terms of the futures with Rush Hour or just themselves in general. So I want to go over how we may be able to approach it in terms of hedging or just looking for good value. So we'll talk about that in the latter stages of this show. Let's get you updated really quick, though, with this Bears and Vikings game lines right now i mean it hasn't moved much two and a half is where it's been at plus 116 for the bears on the money line minnesota minus 141 the total's been pretty steady at 44 and a half shaded to the under minus 113 now the latest news really is that kirk cousins has been activated off the covid list looks like he will be a go Thank goodness, because I need 130 more passing yards for him to get over his season-long passing yards prop of 4,100 and a half. I'm kind of scared because it's the Bears who do successful 
against who are very successful rather against Kirk Cousins. He stunk the last go around. He's always stunk against the Bears. And it was a sketchy bet to begin with, and I didn't even consider it really until I had a Vikings guy come on my show, Rush Hour, and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't disagree with your Kirk Cousins take, but you have to be a little bit leery considering he's not vaccinated, which, you know, would open up the door for him getting COVID more, so you would think. And it took until the second to last game of the season, the most important game for the Vikings, for him to get it. Hurts their chances, hurts my chances, but maybe we still have life. If he could just throw for at least a buck 30, you would think he would be more than capable of doing that. But it is Kirk Cousins, so fingers still crossed, not getting my hopes up. Anyways, this line, if we look at the really original line, I know I was talking about this on Monday, but Westgate out in Las Vegas, for example, they put out the very, very early odds, like before the previous slate of games even start. So before the Bears play the Giants and the Vikings play the Packers, this line was Minnesota minus six. Total was at 45. Now, I'm not quite sure if it came out before the Kirk Cousins news, but the thought process would be, well, if Minnesota still has a chance for the playoffs, they deserve to be a bigger favorite against the Bears. They'll need to win it. Kirk Cousins healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, who knows what the Bears are going to look like after the Giants. The field's going to be starting. A lot of things fell in the line with that. But then it pretty much reopened Sunday night. Minnesota was a three and a half point favorite. The total instead of 45 was 44 and a half. So three and a half makes a lot more sense to me and realistically probably should have been the line to begin with. Nevertheless, after the news of Justin Fields presumed to be the starter came out, now this thing's at two and a half, as I alluded to. And the Bears getting a little bit more respect, not only because of the Justin Fields factor, but because this Vikings team, and I'll say it again like I did on Monday, they're kind of in shambles in the sense that they're ticked off. They just got demolished by the Packers, had no offense whatsoever. Kirk Cousins kind of screwed them, right? I mean, it screwed them. Not saying they would have beat the Packers, but they would have had a lot better chance. They already had beat them, so they would have had confidence going into this game. They just got eliminated recently, and the benefit for the Bears is they've known they've been eliminated for a few weeks now, right? I mean, by mathematical standpoint, they've known for a while in general, and this team knows it's Matt Nagy's last game. Maybe they're rallying around him a little bit more, so it seemed that they were against the Vikings the last time they played because of how atrocious the refs were as the common denominator where they could both direct their hate toward the Zebras instead of Matt Nagy, despite the rumors of him losing the locker room. So you've seen these guys actually still put out 110% effort, given their all, and you typically get that regardless in the NFL. Nobody's really going to tank from a personal standpoint, but the team is still fighting for each other, it seems. And you know what? Despite the differences they may have with Matt Nagy, Nagy's a pretty good guy, and he will always stick up for his players. Mike Zimmer, you heard his weird comment with Kellen Mond saying he doesn't want to see him, not particularly because he sees him every day. Like, what the hell is he saying? And he's going to be showing the door. That seems inevitable. So, and that's just a weird, awkward way because this season's been so frustrating. If you're the Vikings, every game coming down to one possession, no faith in them, all the talent, but can't put it together off the field issues with your defense injuries. There's so many bad things. And now after they just got devastated from that bad loss, what incentive do they have to win this game? I think the Bears do to end their season on a three-game winning streak to get some momentum going into the offseason with a new horizon, potentially with a GM, potentially with a president, but more realistically with a new head coach. So I think there's more positivity 
oddly enough to say it, surrounding this Bears team. So I did want to talk about a bet that I did make. And I was kind of being hesitant to wait on a good line. And I was talking about this for our Teaser Tuesday segment on Rush Hour. But I'm going to tease the Bears in this spot. I know I talked about that earlier. But in terms of looking who to pair it with, that's what I've been contemplating to see if I could get a better line. So the Bears I would tease up plus 2.5 to plus 8.5. And a cool thing that I always like to do, I guess it's not like cool and unique. It's just interesting in the sense of you get to see where these numbers are. So people like to look just at straight ATS numbers, right? How many times has a team covered whatever the line is, which is very important to know. Don't get me wrong. But another way I look, like to look at it sometimes, and I get it, every game is different. Every situation is altered. I like to apply the whatever spread it would be to all the past games, which you've heard me do here a lot of times when we talk about my better half with those first half betting lines. So, for example, what I'm getting to is if you tease the Bears, it falls in the Wong teaser, a road dog of plus two and a half, which are historically the most successful teasers. You tease them up six, cross the key number of three, cross the key number of seven, and then you would get the Bears catching eight and a half. A lot better than catching two and a half, right? Well, you look at this Minnesota team again. They beat the Bears by eight last time on a heroic last-second touchdown. If you had eight and a half, you were thanking God and all and the almighty heavens for covering that. But the thing is here, you don't even have to rely on that as much because overall, Minnesota's just consistently been doing that, right? I mean, virtually every game comes down to one score. And so the thing is, you, you look at the Bears catching eight and a half this season. If you apply that number to every single game, I think the number was they'd be nine and seven against the spread if they were catching eight in the hook. Conversely, for Minnesota, in order for this teaser leg to lose, they would have to win by nine or more points because they would have to cover as an eight and a half point favorite if you teased up the Bears from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half in order to lose. Minnesota would have to cover eight in the hook. So if we applied minus eight and a half to the Vikings for every single game, they would have only covered that one time this season. Just one time. One in 15 ATS. That's right. One in 15 ATS are the Vikings if they were an eight and a half point favorite in every single game. And they weren't. I get it. But it's still just an interesting frame of reference that I like to go off of, meaning that this team does not win by large margins. That does not happen with this Viking squad. I think they have an average winning margin of like six or less, whatever it is at home. I don't have the stat in front of me for that specifically. But my point is this Vikings team is uncanny with how many games come down to the wire. And that was when they were competing, guys. That is when they had their hopes set for the playoffs and beyond. Now they have nothing to play for. Now their locker room is probably a mess. So I can get the Bears catching that higher amount over key numbers against this team that's a mess that's already not dominating and having large winning margins. And that's assuming Minnesota even wins. Heck, the Bears could win this game outright. Wouldn't shock me. But it is still the Bears at the end of the day. And you still got to guard a lot of tough guys on the offensive side, even though they shut them down last time. But give yourself a little bit of security here. Give yourself that cushion and tease up the Bears to plus eight and a half like we did doing it against the Giants, teasing them down. Heck, we didn't need to, but you felt a lot better about it. So Bears from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half is one part of the teaser leg. And then the other one I was looking to pair it with, I was waiting to see if this would get down to seven and a half. And it did. 
at a book or two. So I did tease it down. Even if it's at eight, which you're seeing now at Bet Rivers, still love the teaser option for the Buccaneers. So a home favorite of just over seven, historically successful spot. The long teaser, you're crossing the key numbers of seven and three. Instead of Tampa Bay minus eight, tease them down six. You get Tampa Bay minus two. And they're playing the Panthers. The crappy, brutal Panthers, remember. Tampa Bay, you would think, well, maybe they don't need to play for this game, right? There's nothing really to play for. What's the incentive? But technically, there is. So Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians already said they're not going to be resting players. Okay, that's one reason to tease them down. Two, I think this is a game that they need just to have confidence and momentum going into the postseason. Off of what happened with the Antonio Brown debacle, the fact that you barely beat the Jets, although a great game-winning drive by Brady, still, it should have been not that dirty of a win. And because of the injuries you've dealt with beforehand, right? Chris Godwin was out for the season. Leonard Fournette on the IR. The defense has been banged up. Mike Evans was a little bit injured, but I think he played in that Jets game. No, he definitely did. But the thing is here, you want to go into the postseason with some of that momentum wave, right? You don't want to go in losing to the Panthers or doing it on an ugly win. But they have been a team that has struggled to win themselves by an impressive margin and comfortably. So again, why not tease them down for the extra cushion to where they just need to beat the freaking Carolina Panthers by a field goal. In a game where, depending on what happens with other situations, meaning the Rams, if the Rams lose to the 49ers, I believe what it is, is that the Buccaneers could go as high as the two seed. They can move up, so technically there's still a chance though maybe not that high, that they can still compete and they're going to be playing at the same time as them. So they won't know what's happening. They're still going to try out there. So again, seven and a half though is what I got. So I tease it down to one and a half. Would absolutely still do eight to two. The chances it lands on two are slim to none. It has happened a couple times with the Bucks, but worst case scenario, check the stipulations of your books with teasers. You just, you know, you'd push in that sense. So um that's what I'm looking to do. So teasing down the Buccaneers and teasing up the Bears is a play I'm making involving Chicago as of this moment. If you told me you were betting the money line with the Bears, I would not disagree with you. I don't think you take the two and a half at this point. Here's the thing. When it gets down to like two and a half and under the key number of three, even at three sometimes, but three I'll still do. To me, it's like, why not just take the money line? You're getting better odds with the plus money. And the chances it falls under the key number of three are slim to none. Maybe not that exaggerated slim to none, but you get my point. Statistically, the chances of it happening, you know, they're higher, they're going to win it outright than it falling below the key number three and them covering that. So that's why even when it's at three, like I don't even like to take the three per se. Yeah, I'll do it just to have that security in, in terms of, you know, maybe I think they went outright, but not for sure. So worst case scenario, I'll push if it's a field. My point is if you're getting three, if it falls in it, you're just going to push. So if it's three and a half, yes, you're feeling great or above, but below, again, seldom is it going to fall on that. So your team, if they're going to cover, they're probably going to win the game at that point. So for the reason that the Bears are plus two and a half, yeah, the Bears and Vikings are crazy and hell, who knows, maybe it does fall on one or two. But at that point, if you're looking to take the two in the hook with the Bears, I say you do what I did and you tease them up for security or you just take them out right on the money line. Because again, the chances it falls on two or one probably ain't going to happen. If the Bears cover that, it's probably because they're going to win. Not saying it can't happen. Not saying it's impossible and doesn't happen from time to time. But just over the long run, that's what's going to be viable. 
So that's what I got for this Bears game right now. Of course, we'll talk about first half betting odds in the next episode along with some of those uh, player props. Hopefully we can get those out sooner. I know they these books are kind of slacking a little bit because all the mayhem with COVID and with games on Saturday. So hopefully we can get some out sooner rather than later that we can preview by the end of this week. Let's move on to our segments, Where's the Beep and Bear With Me. You know what? Let's start with Bear With Me because this will just be pretty quick, all right? Bear with me. What's the positive news that we can look forward to with the Bears? I guess there's a couple, but not surprising. Nagy's officially going to be out. They've told him it's his last game. That wasn't even really my bear with me. I'm just thinking of putting that in there now because I guess that's positive news, but you already knew that. The other bear with me is really just it could end the season on a high note, right? You could end the season on a three-game winning streak. Justin Fields could get some confidence with a big win. And it's still relatively a big win. Division rival on the road. Hell, I call that a sizable win for Fields. And everybody's knocking him out. Not everybody. I just see random tweets pop up that just drive me crazy where it's just like, oh, Justin Fields' record when he's starting with the Bears, whatever it was, like two and four, whatever it is. And then um, any other starter, like four and two. Like, imagine actually saying that with full conviction. And not having the time or just the effort to look at the strength of like who the actual opponents were. Like people trying to downplay Justin Fields right now, even if you are a diehard Bears fan, a non-diehard Bears fan, you hate the Bears, you're probably not listening to this if that's the case. Don't listen to those people. They obviously don't know what the hell they are talking about from a standpoint of football. You are actually, I think, not intelligent whatsoever if you think Justin Fields is a really bad quarterback or not the guy at this point. And that's not me saying that he is the guy or a great quarterback because me having as much confidence in that, you could argue, is the same as going, well, he's just as bad. But you have to take it into context in the sense you can't be definitive saying he's bad. First of all, the dude hasn't played a full season. Second of all, you know how bad this coaching staff is. Third of all, you know how brutal this offensive line is. Fourth, the schedule was tough going into it. And fifth, the receivers haven't helped them out too much. And sixth, it's his first freaking year. Give the guy a break. He's going to be prone to rookie mistakes, which, yes, are bad and have been an issue with the inability to throw the ball away, taking sacks in vulnerable spots, that is an issue. Nobody is denying that. But you know what? Every quarterback has that in their rookie season. Virtually every quarterback has that in their rookie season. A guy like Justin Herbert, he's great. He really didn't. But they're still going to have their moments where they fluster, where they falter, and where they succumb to the pressure, especially when you're getting no help from your offensive line and in the back of your mind you're freaking out every damn play that you're going to get sacked when you're already dealing with an injury. So enough with the Justin Fields slander. And again, I'm not like a stan of Justin Fields saying he's the almighty savior for the Chicago Bears. He has a ton, and I mean a ton to prove. But I have high hopes for him and high expectations, which all of you should have. There is no reason to think he is not the guy and that he's a bad quarterback based on everything that I just listed out for this season. There is also no reason to run and make a bet for him being a consistent MVP in this league. But there's more of a reason to have higher. He's not going to get worse, right? He's only going to get better if the right parts are around him and he gets consistent playing time and another year of experience. The chances it would go the other way, again, what was I just saying? Slim to none, and I truly believe that. That wasn't intended in this rant, but I just thought about it. So anyways, 
I guess that would be put under where's the beef. But the real where's the beef I had is, you know it, Jim Harbaugh to the Bears and a little bit of the Ryan Day to Chicago discussion. So the people who are preaching to get Jim Harbaugh get my beef. Now, honestly, would Jim Harbaugh be the worst hire for the Bears? No, if a couple things came true. One, he was the best option out there meaning some of these coaches didn't want to take the job or went to other teams. Two, the other stipulation would be you have to get a real rock-solid offensive coordinator. You don't need and or want Jim Harbaugh calling your plays out there. I'm not saying he wouldn't be good for morale in the locker room and the mentality he instills in his players. I'm not denying that. And I get it. It makes sense in the and the fact that the Bears drafted him, he's a Midwest guy, that would make sense him coming back, right? But a couple things here. Yes, Jim Harbaugh has been successful everywhere he's gone, but he has never won the big game. No other coaching candidate out there necessarily has. I understand that. But they haven't been put in the position that Harbaugh is, who has failed to do that time and time again. However, San Diego 04-06, 29-6 record. Stanford 29 and 21, 07 to 10. Really not that great of a record. 49ers 44 and 19. You lose the Super Bowl. We know that. Michigan 119 and 51. First of all, get those college records out of here. That's the expectation. In the college, in terms of Michigan, I mean, Stanford, that's not impressive. 29, 21 ain't great. Michigan, yes, impressive record, but he could never win against Ohio State. Finally did it. He got smacked in the big stage by Georgia. I didn't expect it to win, but to lose by that much was embarrassing. Again, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate, but my point is that's going to be the narrative that follows him to Chicago. Do you want to have that played every single time the Bears are in a playoff game or something like that? Doesn't mean it's automatically going to be the case, but certainly something in the back of people's minds. And when you look at these teams that he coached, none of them had a dominant offense per se. Let's look at the most reasonable sample size with the 49ers. They had a really solid running game. Ran a lot of RPOs. Yes, that could fit the bill for Justin Fields. They had a really good offensive line. The Bears don't have that. Had a really solid defense that helped him out. But the concerning thing is with Jim Harbaugh is his play calling was suspect a lot of times. His... Clock management, I guess you could say. His red zone offense was really bad with the 49ers. And his passing offense was bottom five, I think, every single year in the NFL that he was a coach of the 49ers. I get it. He was successful. Large part because of the ground game. Large part because of the defense. But we as Chicago Bears fans, at least I, want to see Justin Fields as a consistent, strong passer. Yes, we want to see Justin Fields be mobile and implement RPO into his skill set. Absolutely. Kind of like what he did with Kaepernick. But you're expecting better out of Fields than Kaepernick. You want to have him like a Russell Wilson, of course. Like a Kyler Murray. Guys who can run the RPO, be mobile, scramble when they need to, but also can sling the hell out of the ball and can be Good pocket passers. If not, pocket passers roll out, create an open play, improvise, and make some magic happen. So here's the thing. Harbaugh, could he get that out of fields? Yeah, maybe. But I don't think Harbaugh's the guy to call the plays. And maybe they wouldn't hire him to do that. And I get it. So that's why I'm saying 
if Harbaugh is hired as the head coach, which I don't think he will be, if he is, you better get a kick-ass offensive coordinator. However, the issue with that is all the good offensive coordinators out there right now, you think of Dable, you think of Leftwich, you think of Kellen Moore, guess what? They're going to be vying for head coaching jobs. That's what their ceiling is. That's what they're going for. And even if Kellen Moore per se isn't, why would he leave the Cowboys and go to the Bears? I don't know. You got a lot better team with Dallas. That's for damn sure. And if you're Leftwich, you're probably going for a head coach job. If you're Dable, you're going for a head coach job. None of these guys want to go and answer for Harbaugh. Josh McDaniels, I know everyone's talking about. He's either being a head coach or he's staying with Belichick. He's not going to be second tier to Jim Harbaugh. So I don't know what awesome offensive coordinator is available out there for you to get that could coincide with Jim Harbaugh being head coach. The speculation way back, okay, maybe not way back, like a month or two ago, and shout out to Sean King, fellow VEASAN host of the Nightcap, former NFL quarterback. He said it on my show. He said it on multiple shows because he predicted, he, you know, he likes to take underdogs. He goes, Michigan beating Georgia. Then after that, you know, they win the championship, whatever it is, Harbaugh steps down and goes to coach for the Raiders. Now these reports are coming out that there's interest in him. But Sean King was on that for a while. I believe if Jim Harbaugh is coming to the NFL, the Raiders will be his team. Now, if the Raiders make the playoffs, it's tough to fire the coach that they have right now filling in for Gruden. However, if it does happen that they don't want him as a coach, the Raiders are, you could argue, in a better spot than the Bears. Not necessarily with the future of the quarterback, not necessarily with the defense. However, with the draft stock you have and the commodities that you can build from the draft, there's a lot more to work with. Maybe he wants to go to Las Vegas, enjoy some warmer weather, brand new stadium, new environment to work from. I don't know. He knows it's tough to win in Chicago. That is for damn sure. I just don't think Harbaugh should be the guy for the Bears. And if you do, let me know why. At Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Feel free to tweet it at me, folks. Slide to my DMs, whatever you got. There's people who are just looking at the records and knowing he's a Chicago guy and seeing that he did well with Michigan this year going nuts. Also taking into account college with those wins. You know, you're playing a lot of inferior teams. When you go to a top program like Michigan, you're expected to be that dominant. You're hoping to get maybe, you know, you're not hoping, but the expectation is to have two, maybe three at the most losses or less a season. I don't think he should be the guy. But even more so, I don't think Ryan Day should be the guy. What has Ryan Day proven compared to some other candidates out there? I know he's got a little bit of experience in Philly with uh, coaching quarterbacks, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sold on Ryan Day as a head coach. I'm not saying he's bad, but we have to consider that he inherited the Holy Grail from Urban Meyer at Ohio State. I get the familiarity with Justin Fields. And no, I'm not saying this because Urban Meyer was a disaster. I'm saying this because just because you were gifted a dominant Goliath team doesn't mean that you're a great coach. It means that you have great skill, uh, great skill players. You have easier schedules. You have the recruiting coming to your doorstep. The work does itself, basically. What has Ryan Day done that's been something where you looked at and you're like, okay, that is some good coaching. It's kind of like Steve Kerr with the Warriors in a sense. I'm still not sold. He's a great coach. I'm, he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But when you're gifted Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, I think most people would do pretty well. 
Same with the Ohio State roster. And you know what? They weren't that great this past year. They weren't. No. The thing is, I don't think that leap is necessary to immediately go after he was just made head coach, what, two years ago, to go to the NFL just because of Justin Fields. Stop it. Stop it, please. Ryan Day does not need to be a head coach in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. So let's knock that off. Would rather have Harbaugh than Ryan Day. Absolutely. Don't want either, but would rather have Harbaugh. So that's my beef. People who are jumping in on the Harbaugh train. First of all, the reports have been out for a while. You're late to the party. Second of all, it shouldn't be the right fit to the Bears. The Raiders seeming like he, that's going to be his top team. Why do you want Harbaugh as the guy? Tell me. I want to know. You have to get away from this old school of thinking if you're the Chicago Bears. That's the whole reason why you got Matt Nagy so he could be innovative and creative. Guess what? You struck out on that one. You need to get someone who can actually execute it. Byron Leftwich, offensive-minded, works with Tom Brady, knows how to use his weapons. Brian Dable, Josh Allen, a quarterback you would like to see Justin Fields progress into, knows how to play an offense in a unique way that can dominate in this day and age's NFL. Heck, even Eric Bieniemy, I'm not buying for him per se. I think he should be a head coach. How much of that is the Patrick Mahomes factor? You could argue that. I just don't think the Bears are going to go in the direction of another Chiefs coordinator. My point is Harbaugh has the old school mentality. Vic Fangio with the Broncos. Look how great that's been. <laughs> Hasn't been great. Great defense. Bears have always had a good defense. How many championships has that gotten them since 1985? That's right. How many teams now in the NFL do you see win because of them having a fantastic defense? Bucks had a really good defense last year. A really good defense. But they won because of Tom Brady. The Chiefs, not a good defense last year. Even worse offensive line. The year before, Chiefs didn't have that great of a defense. They did well enough is what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, it comes with the quarterback. It comes with what the offense can do. Because no matter how bad your defense is, as long as your offense can outscore what the other team's doing, you're going to win. And I know defense wins championships. You know, offense sells tickets. Defense wins games. You know, the, the whole thing. I get it. The Bears will have a good enough defense regardless in my mind. But now you just have to develop that offense. That was the case this year. The defense did good enough in a lot of games, but the offense didn't come through. The Steelers game was the opposite. You've never had it happen simultaneously. But the defense, despite it regressing, which was inevitable, you still have a solid enough team. And that can be developed. You don't need to scour for a defensive-minded guy. You need to get this historically bad offense on track to success. I don't know if Harbaugh is that guy to do it. But if he is hired as head coach, you better get a damn good OC to help fill that void. The problem is here too, and you can make this argument for me vying for a guy like Dable, Byron Leftwich for head coach. Maybe you don't want your head coach calling plays because only a finite amount of head coaches can do it successfully. So that's fine. You can make that argument for who's ever hired as a head coach. But Harbaugh's really never had that great of an offense. Even at Michigan. Good running game for sure. Passing game, eh. Nothing special. The defense has always been a strong suit with his teams. So I don't think you should be sold on Harbaugh because I'm not. If he comes here, I'm going to root for him. I'm not going to bitch and moan about it. I guess it depends who the OC is. What happens with the GM and president. 
But you got to do what these former players are doing, man. I mean, you see Pina Tillman out there. Olin Cruz are saying, let us help you make the decision. Let them. Don't be afraid of their old school way of thinking. They get the NFL. They know what the Bears want and need. More so what they need, not what they want. Because they don't know what they want. Let people help you make the decision. Put your pride and ego aside and let people help you make the right choice to put this quarterback, Justin Fields, this team with enough talent in the right position to make it deep into the postseason and reach their potential. All right, coming up next, we'll talk a little bit of some NFL futures, comeback player of the year award. Uh, I want to talk about a bet too that you can get better odds at than what it's perceived and it's some of these books. And then maybe a team that could be worthy of some consideration to win the NFC. We'll talk about that next. Right here, it is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Alrighty, time to talk some NFL futures here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Let's begin with comeback player of the year. I thought I had a winner in the bag. I thought we were cruising, considering his odds were like minus five dollars throughout this season for Dak Prescott. I got plus two ten when we talked about it preseason on Rush Hour. The perfect narrative, America's team. Winning the NFC East. Weapons around him. And now you're getting the chatter for Joe Burrow. Prescott at Bet Rivers is now minus 134. Joe Burrow is plus 105. I'm pissed. I am, plain and simple. I thought I had this in the bag. Prescott hasn't done anything wrong. But you can make the argument that Burrow has done more. The reason that I didn't like Burrow preseason is because, yes, both guys came back from injuries. That's how you win this award. Prescott had a more gruesome injury, right? And he was setting statistical records. He's on the path to doing so. Gruesome injury. Burrow, bad injury for sure. Maybe not as gruesome. But also with Joe Burrow, that was his first year. What is he coming back from? He played, what, maybe half the games? And I don't know if that argument actually holds up, but to me, you know, Prescott, comeback player, he's played multiple times. Burrow played half a season. I know Prescott played less, but, like, he's been established in the NFL. This is Burrow's first time, so we don't know where his peak really was, right? We don't know where his skill level was set at, per se. We had an idea with Prescott. And he came back and was still able to replicate that with Burrow. Well, we didn't know, I guess. I don't know. Here's the thing. I'm asking, should I hedge? Because at plus 105, there's a plus 110 out there. He's getting steamed, man. Joe Burrow is. He's not playing in the last game. Is that going to matter? I don't know. Dak Prescott is. Because I was saying, well, 
here's the thing. Okay, I separate, I'm separating into two categories. Why I should hedge and why I should not. Why I should hedge. Burrow led a crap team to a division title after a big injury. Nobody had faith in the Bengals, very much so, including myself, to have a good year, let alone win the damn division. Also, Burrow leads in multiple categories versus Prescott. Touchdown passes, Burrow 34, Prescott 32. Passing yards, Burrow 4,611, Prescott 4,154. Completion percentage, Burrow 70.4%, Prescott 68.4%. Pretty good reasons to back Burrow. Why I should not hedge and let it ride. Better record goes to the Cowboys. 11-5 to the Bengals, 10-6. Joe Burrow's not playing in the last game. I don't know. Maybe they lose to the Browns. Even though Joe Burrow has some better stats, remember that Dak Prescott missed a game. But now if Burrow misses a game, Prescott plays, you even that up. It's America's team. It's the Cowboys. That benefits Prescott, you got to think. And like I said, look, Dak had the more gruesome injury to just awful sights and it was a whole thing in the offseason with documentaries being made and him and then he had hard knocks there was just a narrative was set up perfectly and i'm pissed now because burrow because of how bad this Bengals team has been and because of him padding his stats with those 500 damn passing yards and beating the chiefs don't get me wrong beating the chiefs is huge everybody's doing that i ran a poll on twitter at danny burke five if you want to see it but man everybody's betting burrow I think it's because of a, dis a, a disdain for the Cowboys a little bit. People want to root for Burrow. He's fun. The Bengals are fun. I don't know. And another reason why I shouldn't hedge, I think you could argue Burrow had a lot more help from his teammates than Prescott had. Now, I'm not saying that Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb didn't help out. Dalton Schultz, they did. But Joe Mixon was a huge part in the Bengals' success. Jamar Chase, a huge part in the Bengals' success. T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd, defense is solid. Same with the Cowboys. So you can't really use that argument as much. I'm just trying to be ticky-tack. I think I got a hedge here. I think I got to while it's plus money. And I guess we'll see. Because if Burrow was playing and they won that game, it's not going to be plus money, right? But if Prescott plays and they win and he does well, maybe you get a little bit better number on Prescott, actually. So you could wait a little bit, which could be advantageous. But if you're in the same boat as I am, I'm invested pretty deep. I may or may not have doubled down. I, th <laughs> I think I got to hedge a little bit. Let me know what you would do. But I think you got to hedge a little bit here. I thought this is one of the solidified awards. It has been really the whole year. I'm telling you, it was like minus $5. And now it just shifted dramatically. Wow. How are the voters going to look at it? That's the big question. I want to ask Michael Lombardi this, former NFL GM. You know, he hosts the Lombardi line on Visa and get his thoughts on it. But, man, I I thought it was going to be Prescott. And here comes Joe Burrow. Not only screwing me for this, but the Bengals win total I got screwed on twice. Did under like six and a half, seven and a half preseason. And then under nine and a half adjusted. And this team just won't lose. And then Zach Taylor might win coach of the year. I don't think he's a good coach, but he might win it. He's a short shot now. My goodness, the Bengals, I want to root for them because they're fun, but I also hate them right now so much. I hope they get smacked in the postseason. I'm sorry. Oh, man, but that's the dilemma I am facing. I wanted to address that. Let me know what you're thinking. All right, I wanted to point out something else. Better odds to be aware of. 
Something stood out to me at Bet Rivers and other books, which you can do. So, for example, NFC West, the Cardinals are plus 240 to win the division over the Rams, okay? But in order for the Cardinals to win the NFC West, what needs to happen? They need to beat the Seahawks, and the 49ers need to beat the Rams. Okay, well, if that's the case, if the Cardinals win the NFC West at plus 240 are the odds, just out of curiosity, what would the odds be to parlay the Cardinals money line and the 49ers money line? Because they both need to win in order for you to cash the NFC West ticket at plus 240. So if you did the parlay instead, ding, 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 you're getting 22 cents better. Parlay the Cardinals and 49ers for plus 262 odds. Always be looking around for that. Be cognitive, uh, be cognitive of that because cognizant, what am I saying? Be cognizant of that because you never know how these books are going to be slacking, okay? And that's one of them. It happens sometimes. It's automated, baby. Keep an eye on it. Plus 262 compared to plus 240. So the only way they can win is if that happens. If you want to do I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not telling you to do it. But if that was something you were interested in, I think that is a good route to, well, it's a better route to take for sure. I don't know if I would, I don't, I'm not fully in on the Rams losing that game. I do like the 49ers covering though a little bit. Teasing down the Cardinals could be a good spot against the Seahawks too, who do have that to play for, better seating. And speaking of the Cardinals, I wanted to discuss really quick before we head out here, these NFC championship odds. Now the Packers are the rightful short shot at plus 150. The Bucks are at four to one. Rams plus 450. Cowboys six to one. Cardinals 10 to one. 49ers 25 to one. Eagles 22. Saints 50. Yes, the Packers would be the easy pick. Value not there. Buccaneers would be a good value play. However, every game they play is close. I was waiting to get involved on them because I love back and Tom Brady, but hey, they're missing weapons. The defense hasn't been great. The Rams, ha, how could you trust, uh, trust Matt Stafford? The answer is you can't. No, thank you. The Cowboys, don't hate it. Six to one, decent value. But if they can't play from behind. They need to get out to early leads. That's my fear. But the Cowboys would be number two. Based on value and still talent and getting DeAndre Hopkins back, very much so consider the Cardinals at 10 to one. They lost to the Lions. Well, that was embarrassing. It happens. Then you lose the next week to who was it? The 49ers, whoever it was. No, the Colts. But you're getting DeAndre Hopkins back, and I get it. Cliff Kingsbury struggles in the latter half of seasons and not that great of a coach. That's going to be what holds you back. But I do think they have a good enough defense and a hell of enough talent offensively to be worth some consideration at the value of 10 to 1, double digits with the Cardinals. Folks, this was the best team in the NFL a few weeks back. Recency bias plays a factor. Cowboys and Cardinals, I think you look at for NFC Championship odds for value-wise. Realistically, safer bet might be the Cowboys. But the Cardinals at 10-1 to 1 is mighty tasty. So just wanted to go over that. If anybody had some interest looking into some of these futures, we'll talk a little bit more about it on my show Rush Hour. Remember, you can catch that Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, a.k.a. wherever you get your podcasts, and naturally, vcin.com. 
vsin.com or the vsin app more plays will be coming on that show for hockey and basketball and hopefully we get some more for this bears and vikings game coming up later in the week thanks to everybody for tuning in always much appreciated if you could follow me on twitter at danny burke five like subscribe rate the show spotify apple music wherever the heck you're listening always appreciated with the feedback and criticism but thank you as always best of luck with your plays and no jim harbaugh to the bears let's hope for somebody better not ryan day not ryan day folks don't fall into that trade all right we'll talk to you next time take care